I guess another option being all duck game in Grantha. You, you know, do it, everybody playing ducks in Grantha. That could be an interesting game. Jason, thank you for that reminder. We had talked about in the Geomologist Lab Discord the Great Duck Campaign, which was going to be an epic genre-spanning tale of the rise and fall of ducks from the beginning of time. Uh, we had also thought about what kind of what we titled these things and what we'd call them. And um, yeah, uh, so here's like the current list. We'd start with maybe Neanderduck prehistoric rule set, either Blood and Snow, um, which is an incarnation of the Index Card RPG by your buddy, but it could also be Pangea, which just came up with, came up with a Pathfinder, Pathfinder Kickstarter for 5e uh, of a prehistoric fantasy rule set. Then you could have Bronze Age Ducks of Glorantha, of course, RuneQuest Ducks, and uh, there is actually, I've run a game at a convention where it was all ducks, and I'd run that again. That'd be pretty cool. I think that then when you'd run like maybe um, you know you could run could you, you could run like a Roman era duck probably using BRP or there's also like a DCC uh, Pax Lex Q I think that's how you pronounce it or even Lex Arcana and then you'd have Ducktales one medieval Renaissance you could use BRP again or or Humblewood Five E would might be a good one it seems more Renaissancey fantasy and then a Ducktales two would be uh, Renaissance for sure, Age of Enlightenment, either Victorian, BRP, could use Historia 5e. Then maybe Darkwing Duck, early 20th century, and Pulp COC, Champions, Amazing Adventures set in that time period. And Howard the Duck, set in our modern time, Marvel, or Mutants and Masterminds, Duck Zero, post-apocalyptic ducks using the Mutant Near Zero engine, and maybe Ducks in Space. After that, using Starfinder, that could be a good rule set to use, but there's plenty of other rule sets that one could use. And then there would be Ducks of the Ninth World, way, way in the far future, using Numenera. And then finally, we had talked about Ducks at the End of Time, the 11-session finale of Shadow of the Demon Lord with all ducks. So I think it's a great idea. And one of these days, there will be a epic-spanning... If you're still here after that explanation of the Great Duck Campaign, well, thank you for coming to the Geomologist Presents. Today, I have a sh uh, show that I've entitled Weekend at Kevin's. This weekend, I played three games with Kevin Madison. First game was Friday. It was a World of Warcraft 5e hack, which was hella awesome. I play a warlock. Ironically, I also play a warlock in the Ash game. It's our ongoing Ash game that we've been playing for almost three years. And then finally, I'm trying a new game, Cult Divinity Lost, now in about 10 minutes at the time of this recording. I'm looking forward to it. I did the Kickstarter for Cult Divinity Lost, and I'm waiting for the books. I have the PDFs. It's, looks, it's dark, modern horror, mature themes, which is something I've been wanting to play and get into because we are mature adults in theory, although we play elf games. And then uh, 
on top of that, I will probably have an unpackaging. And uh, don't worry, it's not uh, a virus or capsid packaging in some sort of AAV capsid thing. Um, but instead, it is uh, some packages that I've received. So no viruses had here. And then finally, a couple call-ins from the usual suspects, Joe Richter of Hindsightless and Jason Connerly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. And they talk about the usual subjects. Joe uh, throwing shade at the OSR community and Jason talking about what game would be best for whatever game he's going to run or wants me to run next. So sit back and enjoy. And here come the recaps. first game I played this weekend with Kevin Madison was the World of Warcraft 5e RPG. It is a fan-built hack and it's called Warcraft Heroes and I, we really like it. Um, I really believe I'd played it before when he did a one-shot where we escaped from prison in Stormwind. Um, stockade and I played a warrior in that I really liked how they did the fury mechanic they really try to implement mechanics that are compatible with 5e that mirror what's going on in in the game right so um, energy for um, for rogues haven't seen what they do for demon hunters fury um, for warriors and the mechanic for hunters as well. I, one of the players was mentioning that. Um, so I thought it was really neat how they do it. Um, I play, I decided to play a warlock and I made a destruction warlock. His name is Billy Dean Hoffenhammer and I did the voice and everything. People, I think people got a kick out of it. I think his, I hope his watchers got a kick out of it. He, um, and he was introduced by kind of just walking through the Elwyn forest and meeting up with a couple of the players. And there's a paladin and a priest, a priest, a pacifist priest, and a paladin. <clears throat> um, so it's pretty interesting that he's a, a demonologist, right? The warlocks are demonologists. And kind of like the crazy fringe elements, uh, they do exist in the quote-unquote good places in Azeroth and World of Warcraft world, but uh, they're on the fringe and a lot of times you fight them in the game because they form cults of various elemental powers or demonic powers. Right, so uh, not the nicest or best. A character is chaotic neutral, but um, has a soft spot for the tall, the tall folk, I guess, and loves dwarves because, you know, he's a refugee. So he probably remembers, you know, having uh, yummy bread in, in Iron Forge after Nomaragon got screwed up. So I'm giving guys a lot of Warcraft lore. I apologize, but I've been playing that game for a long time. Since vanilla, on and off, um, I still play and have an account. And I have a shit ton of characters, but I have some pretty good characters. I'm not in any guilds that do are hardcore raiders, but I try to get up into the mythics for the latest expansion 
um, you know. So you know, my two mains are like level have level two twenty gear, um, which is kind of cool. But so I'm in a rating more rate consistent rating group, then I'd it'd probably be higher. But just time, whatever. Although I've just joined a, a one guild that seems that they're they do that more regular. So we'll see. But not with my mains. <laughs> with my one of my mains, uh, Billy Boog. Um, is he? Well, he's been in this one guild that's been around since vanilla, but I think everyone jumped to classics. I haven't seen a lot of the people on. Anyway, back to the World of Warcraft game, not World of Warcraft MMO. So, so Billy Dean meets the uh, the priest and the paladin, Enric, and I don't remember the priest's name, and uh, we hole up in a tower because it's raining. And in there is uh, another character who ha hadn't showed up yet. And uh, this character actually is played is a dwarven hunter with a boar named Pepperidge. And uh, that is played by Jason Hobbs of Hobbs and Friends and Random Screed, who you, I'm sure you've heard of. So, but he was asleep. And then uh, in the morning we woke up, Hobbs showed up. And we continued on our way. I think his dwarf's name is Wendell. I can't believe I can't remember the priest name. Oh, the priest name has like a, it's like a very, it's like Joe Conway or Joseph Conway or something like that. It's a, like a, it's interesting that it's like a, it's not, doesn't, it's not as Azerothy as the other names, but I guess it could exist because there are regular names in Azeroth too, right? So anyway, so we're kind of, Moving along, we have two encounters in this session. We're trying to get to Westfall for various purposes. I've decided that they're coming to Westfall for me to um, examine this ma old mage tower, explore this old mage tower, but they're going to Westfall to defeat uh, this rogue element um, gang, organized crime syndicate known as Defias, so who are very powerful and prevalent in Westfall. So uh, yeah, we're heading there and we'll see what happens. So um, anyway, we, we encounter this like traveling tinker. I have a lot of role-playing fun with him. He has these, he's juggling, these, he's a juggler. He has these, you know, wooden, those wooden juggle balls and I, my character can create fire or something that's flammable. So I, I turn him, I put him on the fire and try to watch him juggle my character being silly and somewhat innocent, maybe not knowing the if it's prank, not really pranks. He doesn't even consider them pranks. Um, but he just acts kind of like almost like he's a little, like a little kid. Um, mischievous, I guess. Mischievous is probably the best term. And I'm, I'm hoping that the other players get a kick out of it and it's not too annoying, but we'll see. Uh, after so we have we get some information uh, about Westfall and what's going on and we're on our way to Sentinel Hill which is sort of the uh, I guess good people type place um, where we can learn more about Defias and in my character's mind in Billy Dean Hossenhammer's mind um, you know the the tower where that is so we proceed and. Uh, Wendell goes up ahead and sees that there's a huge pack of, of gnolls, like a camp of gnolls up in the front 
in the up on the wrong road and um, and there was waiting in ambush probably for caravans or parties or whatever so we decide well <clears throat> I think the idea was not to confront them because it would have been bad but the idea is to um, try to skirt around them and avoid them but uh, my character has a brilliant plan to use his mechanical chicken he has three two little clockworks and a music box and use a chicken to make a distraction it does not go well his void walker KJ seems to be the focus of attention and the Nolans kind of the pack goes after us goes crazy there's like four shamans in there there's two brutes and a whole host of gnolls and we do have some good firepower but not against like a score of gnolls and uh, we do have to beat a retreat we're fighting on this ridge and we kind of and uh, KJ does a great job of holding the line while we try to escape at least in my mind Enrich helps him for a little bit <clears throat> and uh, they're able to finish off one brute I believe there and then um, then KJ is destroyed by lightning blast from the shamans, the, the Noel shamans. Meanwhile, the rest of the players, so Anrik and Billy Dean are up on the ridge fighting back or holding the line while Wendell and uh, Joseph Conroy, or whatever the priest's name is, I'm just going to call him Joseph Conroy, so it sounds right, but um, are down in the, in the, below the ridge trying to get out but eventually the gnolls move forward try to and then everyone is becomes engaged and um billy dean nearly gets gets jacked up pretty bad kj fall is sent back to the void Einrich does amazing and holds the line as a brute pursues us at, at some point billy dean has to fight against the brute who is getting beat up pretty dramatically until Einrich uh calls upon the paladin powers of of holy light and smites the brute um, and destroys it. Meanwhile, Wendell and Pepperidge are fighting against you know these gnolls that are trying to flank us. Uh, I know Wendell took down at least one shaman with his gun um, and blew up several gnolls. And uh, Billy Dean did pretty well too. He he can he cast fire and shadow. And there's this extra reaction that he can damage creatures um, in like a 10-foot radius or so around someone he's targeted with a fire or shadow spell. So that's pretty handy. Uh, it's only is plus 3 damage right now because it's only level 3. But hopefully it will get better and it could be pretty devastating. And at least it ticks, you know, it damages creatures, right? It ticks them, um, which is kind of cool. So... Uh, when we killed the second brute, and after a couple of the shamans were killed by, um, you know, ranged attacks, then they beat a retreat, the gnolls did. And uh, Billy Dean took a parting shot and took out one gnoll that was trying to surround him, them, him and Enrich. And, um, yeah, we survived. We bloodied their nose, but they bloodied ours. And uh, now not only has Billy Dean lost his mechanical chicken but he's lost his only friend KJ who got destroyed and sent back to the void and he's have to kind of have to summon another KJ um, or void walker 
So that was pretty fun. I love the verse and the lore, and I'm totally going to get into it, and I hope Kevin will indulge me. Um, so, yeah, that's a, a World of Warcraft. I think it's called uh, Mysteries in Westfall, and you can find it on the Dungeon Musings YouTube channel um, at a YouTube uh, site near you. So, all right. That was pretty cool. Uh, incidentally, it is an ongoing game that's supposed to take place every Friday. I know I won't be able to make it every Friday, but uh, I don't want to make as many as I can before the holidays come up. I have a couple travels, travel days in December, so we'll see. And I hope it uh, continues. I'd like to see Billy Dean increase in power. The second game I played at Kevin's this weekend was our ongoing Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea game. In that game, I have just reached, my character has just reached 7th level. So Iphigenia Acantadoros is a 7th level warlock who is a necromancy specialist. They're called Death Soldiers. She is Amazonian. Um, she is pretty badass and has lots, lots of cool stuff. And we got a whole bunch of other cool stuff this time too since we had killed the god thing Sebek, the crocodile god thing and <clears throat> looted their treasure um it was a it was pretty cool so iphigenia has upgraded her um her sword it is now a plus four broadsword that she has called the mindbender it can cast feeble mind twice per day which would be great against spellcasters so we were we picked up where we left off at the temple we, we kind of did a whole like went through the loot distributed it up we have stuff for other players who weren't there that we can distribute it'll be more beneficial for them to have because we have lots of stuff uh, and we had things that we might give away um depending so our task complete so that we had received from both the toad skippers and the terra men we destroyed this god uh two of the terra folk who had accompanied us were killed so we wanted to get off this island get back to the toad skippers and eventually get to the airy uh, to talk to the terra men and tell them of their their companion sacrifice so we um we did accomplish that when we were leaving the island uh, or leaving the temple area and heading to the western shore of this island where we thought there would be these outriggers that the toad skippers had transported us to this island initially and where we had kind of lost we attempted like a, a while ago we had attempted like an amphibious assault on this island and we just got wrecked um, and that's how in the narrative all of our characters got scattered and uh, that's why it's kind of we run into each other here and there and then people uh, come in and out and I guess that works in the narrative um, in Kevin's game if you're not there if you're, if you're not there, your character's not there. So he works, he doesn't seem to care about the narrative, but some people, like I do, care about the narrative. So in my mind, it definitely works because we've been scattered uh, after this initial failed amphibious assault and uh, people show up where they can't, when they can, just, just happens. Um, there's like, I want to say there are six or so regular players, I believe. Um, 
but only three have generally been showing up uh, recently. So I think we're going to get back to it. Um, just people have been busy with work stuff and life stuff. So anyway, uh, so as we're getting back to, to try to find these outriggers again, hopefully they haven't been destroyed. We're assaulted by a bunch of giant spiders um, that come out of their trap doors. I think at first we thought it was just like one big giant spider, like, oh, no problem. And all of a sudden it was a horde of them. Um, so it was pretty tenuous because they had um, a couple of us when we didn't fail, had failed our saving throws versus poison. And these older style games, that's kind of bad. We do have a meta currency that Kevin provides called Astonishing Fortune to get rid of these, but we only have three um, because it's a pretty powerful meta currency. And we were only able, we, we kind of used them all in this fight. Uh, but I did have some antitoxin. So when Iphigenia got bit, um, she was able to apply antitoxin to prevent the paralysis and, and then remove the paralysis from uh, Amar, who um, is a monk in the party, I think also seventh level. We have uh, a second character from a player whose character uh, was killed in the temple complex. And we rescued this other uh, character uh, from the cl uh, clutches of the evil toad men. And uh, he is a wizard and a like a cryomancer. Uh, so ice and now lightning because we found some artifacts that uh, shoot lightning. So we had, we did, like I cast lightning bolt. His character used lightning from his gloves twice and then lightning from, I believe he has this wand that shoots a ridiculously powerful lightning bolt um, down the line. And you just line up the creatures um, and fire away and we had some powerful lightning bolts that really helped um, with this spider horde because they're like I said there are a bunch of them. I also finally used my summon demon spell and the the demons didn't last long, but hey they they did some damage and they held uh, they held off uh, at least a few spiders and took their attention for a couple rounds, which is kind of what we needed to you know be able to fire these lightning bolts and shoot down the line and that kind of stuff, which was neat. So um, so yeah, we survived the spiders. We got to the outriggers. We sailed back, rode back, oared back, I guess, piloted back to the Toy Skipper Village. Kevin was a, was a, uh, shaking his fist at the dice because there were no random encounters. <laughs> random encounters are kind of a pretty deadly. I feel in this verse, we're like in a, we're like on Kong Island where everything is giant and deadly. So we get back to the Toad Skippers. Uh, we tell them what happened. Oh, we also had encountered a giant frog. We had a one magic item called the Horn of Animal Calling or something like that, where I called, well, what animals, we, we had so much treasure, we each needed, we were encumbered and needed to be carried. So I used it. Um, and then Omar, who can talk to animals, talk to this giant toad that appeared. And this was Old Jumper. And Old Jumper uh, was our became our friend and was able to volunteer to carry all the stuff. He just like stuffed it in his mouth and his gullet. So we did make it back to the village of the Toad Skippers. Another detail I forgot. We did find another piece of treasure from the spiders and their like little trapdoor holes that they exploded from. And it was a set of laminate armor, which 
Kevin's ruled is um, the same as chainmail, so it's magical. So it gives me the same. I believe it gives me the same AC as I had before, but one looks cooler, and two gives me DR. Um, and it had another magical ability. I can't remember exactly. I can't remember what it was. Oh, it has a guardian spirit that gives you a bonus on your initiative. So, like, you have one lower initiative than the rest of the group, which might be very helpful. I don't know how... We would do, do group initiative, so I wonder how Kevin's going to adjudicate that. I guess I go first. Um, I know he usually gives us ties because we have a dex bonus, but, but uh, maybe it can make for a tie if we lose the initiative by one. So we'll see how he does that. So I packed up my leather armor plus three of water that lets you water walk, and we can give it to another uh, player um, to get him out of heavy armor if they need to. The, also, this laminate, laminate armor... Is can I can still move uh, pretty well, so it's kind of nice. So anyway, we got that. We got back to the Toad Skippers, and we did a lot of. Uh, we talked to them and explained what happened. They were impressed that we had Old Jumper with us, the giant Toad. Um, and then we started resting and recuperating, um, and then we we definitely wanted to. We were gonna rest there. They were gonna help us to get to the, 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 curse accursed. I don't know if it was a temple, uh, but the accursed place under the spire that we had originally been sent to this area to look for, for the monkey meister, who then has promised us that he will help us get get back home. So, you know, we wanted to get here, but then, of course, this crocodile god person cult got in the way. So uh, we we have some volunteers uh, uh, row us out to the spire where the terror men are there and they take us up to meet the matriarch of the terror folk. And, um, we, um, we talk to them, tell them what happened and they take us back and now we're resting and recuperating while we're getting some gear made, um, for, um, for our expedition into the waters under the spire. So it was pretty cool. Um, one fighting encounter, a lot of talking through and, and story pushing forward, which I think is great. Uh, I guess we've been playing this game for almost three years, and that's awesome to be seventh level. I don't get any fourth level spells, unfortunately, as a warlock, <clears throat> but my fighting ability, uh, the player's fighting ability, player character's fighting ability goes up, and I can cast another spell. Um, so getting more powerful, which is always good, but that means that uh, Kevin throws tougher stuff at us. So, and he did, like uh, about. 20 or so spiders. I couldn't count as that many. I can't count that high. I can only count to 10 because um, I only have 10 fingers. Oh, I got... Maybe it's about the same as number as my fingers and toes. So 20 or so. Anyway, really fun fight. Uh, really cool to, to to have some closure in some of the stories and the uh, the saga of the, of the fight against Sebek, the crocodile god. And... Uh, until next time, we play every two weeks, so it should be really cool when we uh, play again. Alright, the last game I played this weekend at Kevin's was a game of Cult Divinity Lost. And it is a definitely a game I've not played before and a very different type of game. So what is Cult Divinity Lost? So it is a 
contemporary horror role-playing game. It was originally created by Ganila Johnson and Michael Peterson, and it is published by Helmgast Publication, and it uses uh, Power by the Apocalypse to run. It's, an, it's a kind of a, uh, a variant of uh, Power by the Apocalypse, and it is now distributed by Modifius. So, uh, but I guess I can read a blurb from the intro. In cult divinity lost, the world around us is a lie. Mankind is trapped in an illusion, held captive, held captive by our prisoners. We cannot see the great citadels of Metropolis towering over our highest skyscrapers. We cannot hear the screams from the hit cellar hidden stairs take us to. We cannot smell the blood and burnt flesh from those poor souls sacrificed to long ago gods in lost alleys. We feel isolated, alone, and try our utmost to stay away from the dangers, the darkness of the city we dwell in. And we are uh, setting our tale in in Detroit, so modern-day Detroit. And the title of the game, I believe, is Things We Left Behind. And uh, so I'm picking up after two sessions have been played. And the first part of the session was making my character. And it was really cool and fun to make the character with the help of the other two players. It's something I've not done before because they, we wanted to have like common relationships so we could, it, it would, you know, it's better than definitely better than, you know, um, throwing myself in there and then randomly come, you know, meeting. And it was, we had common relationships that could get me involved into uh, the game. So I made a character after listening to like a summaries of what had happened. I hitched on one of their contacts, which is a Madam uh, Yavoski, um, a medium practicing um, somewhere in downtown Detroit. You know, has like card reading, card readings, and divinations for people. Um, my character, I made a fixer, a bookie named uh, Joey Novak. So, and I kind of built him or imagined him as like Steve Buscemi, um, you know, kind of twitchy and wiry and bony with those bulging eyes. Um, and he has some interesting, so it, it so we kind of have like his overall goal. So I, I felt he was like a, a victim of a crime and he was beat up and left for dead and somehow rescued maybe by Madame uh, Yavoski's uh, people or friends of hers or someone who knew them or yeah, I, I built a relationship between her and my my most meaningful relationship, which is my aunt Maria. Uh, we are of uh, Croatian descent, um, but living in Detroit, and uh, and I have I'm being stalked. I um, I'm greedy. He's a bookie. He's always wanting to make money and and score, but he always has to move around. So he's always in looking for the big the big score. Um, he has another friend named uh, Darnold Allen, who is also a fellow bookie in Detroit, and with another with a part of the African-American community, which I think would be pretty cool um, to, to explore. I think Kevin wants to, to tackle that too. Um, this is you know, cross-community and very um, diverse worlds. I mean, Kevin is... Uh, really good at, at promoting that and wanting to do that and I, I like I like his style um, when we do that so my character you can imagine like I said Steve Buscemi wearing a Detroit Pistons gear and always wearing sportswear for the most part um, my cat likes it and says hi hold on
so um yeah so you, you give him advantage he has a sixth sense and that's probably how maddie mavoski knew him we did like a, a a flashback scene when he was a little kid and he saw like a uh, a guy running a three car uh uh he was running a shell game and it was a con and he was able to to spot through the con and uh and then he then flash forward to when he's doing his own little con con game um and also trying to have people uh you know bet on sports because that's that's the thing i told kevin it was my excuse to talk about sports um, in the game, so I'm going to definitely double down on his being a fan of Detroit sports ball, um, pining about the suckiness of the Lions. I apologize to any Lions fans out there, but loving and the nostalgia of the Isaiah Thomas and Grant Hill years for the Detroit Pistons, and of course, the Red Storm. I can't wait to talk about my team, the Detroit Red Wings, so I'm going to love that. Um, so it should be pretty cool to do, to just to add some comic relief in a very tense uh, world. The other two characters are playing an FBI agent and it sounds like a drifter who has lost his memory. And there's a, there's a really cool connection somehow to um, the former, the places of the former Yugoslavia. Sarajevo's been mentioned. Um, Eastern Europe, other Eastern European your locales have been mentioned. So I think it's pretty neat. Uh, one character definitely has some sort of and we're not like the the weird is not like the focus it's in the background and it's like a build-up which i think is really neat and and the the focus is on character generation relationships so um so it's really cool that the, so the previous characters they um the player the characters in the tale they had previously i guess what i gathered is that they've been they're being there's this package that's important um, that was sent to the daughter of one of the player characters and people, this cult of some sort wants the package because they've, they've tried to run one player character off the road. They've uh, kidnapped um, one of the player characters um, significance. They tried to assassinate or uh, attack. They attacked the characters uh, while they were at one of the player characters daughter's houses um, so and, and what I like about this game too there's bonds like the NPCs are meaningful you have a bond with them so uh, one of the player characters with his daughter myself with my aunt and my bookie friend uh, Donald and Madame Yuvoski and that's our common bond and um, you know, so it was cool. And it, it, Powered by the Apocalypse is a really, uses 2D10 instead of 2D6. Probably gives it more spread of things that can, awful that can happen to you. <laughs> Maybe, um, who knows. But um, but it's really cool. It, it seems like every time you roll, unless you roll really well, there's always a, a consequence or a complication, which I think is fun for the for the GM to do. And we definitely did. Like my, my the people who are stalking me or looking for me showed up and I ran um, out of that scene after, after a really cool scene with Madame Yuvoski where I'm in her parlor and she, you know, gives me a card reading and I pick a black joker, which is somehow significant to me that is going to help me get out of my current financial crisis. Um, and yeah, so I see the, the monkey, you know, the, 
you know that monkey that slams the the symbols together. I saw that in her parlor. Um, it, it was good. It's so much really good scenery, and I really feel like I can immerse myself in this character. And I'm actually trying something that uh, Shea Webster, Webster has been mentioning for a while in his um, roleplay rescue, which is I don't want to get too much into how the system works. I just want to get into the character. So I, you know, and I'm learning as I go. It's just inevitable, but. I really, I'm, I'm kind of trusting Kevin um, on this one to lead us through the tale and just roll the dice when I need to roll the dice. And yeah, we have our moves that we can do, um, and I kind of have to know those to help out, but I don't really know quite how it works, which is great, because I want to focus on, on immersion and getting into my Joey Novak character, um, taking inspiration from, you know, um, uh, it's all sunny in Philadelphia and uh, shameless and other kind of modern, modern down and out type, um, type tales where the character is always looking for the con because he's got to make ends meet. But I think the throwing in of the supernatural and the weird is kind of cool. So, so after my scene of running away, other things happen to the characters where one character was able to settle things with his daughter and get a you know offer to move in because he's been gone for a while. And the other character uh, checked on his girlfriend's apartment and those same that same cult. I'm gonna call him the cult of the black hand because they have a black hand tattoo. Um, they um, they also uh, yeah they showed up at this at the girlfriend's apartment and this other person this agent had to climb into the into the duck work and get out, uh, which he did, pull the fire alarm. I thought that was kind of brilliant of that, uh, of that player to think his character would do that. And then, um, and then for me, since my stalker showed up or whatever, or I'm getting embroiled in this, um, I get sent a text while I'm hanging out with uh, Darnold talking about, you know, the talking about our favorite, like, you know, pizza joint um, about, about the Pistons uh, the 8990 Pistons and then the 2004 Grant Hill Pistons and who, which team was better and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, and we got, yeah, it was, it was, it was cool. It was really fun that Kevin's allowing me to do, to indulge in the, in Joey Novak <laughs> and sports ball. But, uh, I probably say that a lot. And then, um, and then I get a text and the, someone has, has a gun to Madame Yavosky. So I'm like, what the, and, cause one of my drives as, as, I mean, I built this character not to be a fighter and not, you know, to really uh, be more like, like a, a, a blatherer, a talker, avoid fights, um, but uh, not, uh, not good at seeing things or you know, perceiving things or fighting um, at all. But, you know, he does have this drive to not have the same thing happen to him, to other people that happened to him. So he runs over to Madame Yavosky's. Uh, one of the other characters, Sam, is there too, and uh, and we confront each other. I remember this guy because he cut in line when I went to go see the madam at one point. So I we end the session with me confronting him, but then his eyes go black and there's this whooshing sound. I'm like, and uh, maybe maybe Joey Novak. Uh, I'm sure people would be yelling at the TV if this were a show, saying, "Joey, just show him the picture. Show him the picture." Um, but, uh, I think that's part and parcel of a cult game. It is like, uh, 
a series of miscommunications and everything is kind of vague and shadowy so nothing is clear cut and I feel like I want to to explore that and participate in that so I thought it was a really fun game I love the character creation I've been wanting to play in a mature game and with a really with people that are um into you know are cool with mature themes this crew myself and the other two players we played in that infamous uh beat down that kevin gave us in the warhammer uh fantasy second edition game um so so we're kind of we're good with that and we were, i think it's a good group that works together so um yeah i can't wait to play cult again Hey, Carl Jason here. I don't know, these days, if I want Roman Empire and I want the semblance of anamorphic animals, I think I'd rather play Palladium Fantasy. The, the Wolven Empire is kind of like the Roman Empire, and Wolvens are effectively, well, they're not really important, but you, you know, they're, they're, they're bipedal do wolves, right? So I, I think that would scratch my itch. You, you up for some Palladium? Hey, Jason, I would play in some Palladium Fantasy. And that's, I was wondering where that came from. I was running, I thought that was from um, Rollmaster. The Roll, but it's not. It's from Palladium Fantasy, that Worgen Empire, Worgen uh, stuff, which I think is really neat. I remember the cover. And I've been trying to track it down. I, maybe I thought it was for Rifts. Or do they have that community in Rifts too? Um, I would run it. I wonder if they're going to do a Palladium Fantasy uh hack in savage world since they did one for riffs who knows but um yeah that's pretty cool uh i would play it i don't know any i don't know anything about really about palladium fantasy although i remember seeing the books but i never really bought them or got into them so um okay when are you running it i'll play we just gotta fix the schedule thing right so um anyway Maybe that could be the location for, um, maybe the Palladium Fantasy World could be the location for this shared GMing play thing we want, since people won't, might not know about it, but, um, I don't know, curious and curious to do that, um, but, uh, we will see. Again, thanks for the call, and, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yo, Carl, so I'm not sure how stating the fact that in games like OD&D and BX, characters need to get treasure in order to advance in the game is a shot across the bow. Much like in Call of Cthulhu, where losing sanity takes away some player agency, the fact that characters have to get treasure in order to advance takes away some player agency. You can't play a game in which you don't get treasure, or else you won't advance in the game. You can't play a character that isn't into treasure, or you won't advance in the game. That's that's not a shot. That's just a simple truth. And that's fine. That's not a flaw. But I get it, man. Jason's in this new relationship with OD&D, so he's very protective of it right now. It's very tender. It's a new relationship. You know, it's not like his old original love, AD&D First Edition. It's new. So I get it, Jason. No harm. No foul, dude. It's don't hate the player. Hate the game. Peace out. I disagree that you can't play a character that doesn't want treasure well for themselves at least in the game 
So if you play like a paladin or a priest, um, I think what I've done in the past is I've donated everything except for subsistence uh, to the local temple as a paladin or a priest of a particular god. So it the money and the wealth is for not for the player character, but for their institution. But I guess you're still motivated to get money, even if not for yourself. But uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's just the conceit in those games, right? So um, I, don't, but I can't tell if you... Well, I can't tell if you think that's a bad thing or not, or you're just, uh, how else would you do it? Do you like it or not? I know you've asked questions about treasure and, and treasure and XP, and I know they did away with that, right? I think circa, like in AD&D 2nd Edition, there was more XP for monsters, I recall. And they had like a set XP for monsters. Um, and it was higher. Was it second edition where they got rid of XP for gold? Let me look. It seems like actually the designers wrote in second edition, you get gold for XP if, X, if gold is spent in a character appropriate way. For example, clerics donating to a temple, uh, barbarians carousing, etc. So I don't know. Definitely by three uh, incarnation, three third edition incarnations, there was no XP for gold, uh, really. So, uh, and, and remember, you had to, I think, spend XP to create magic items as well. But um, I don't know. It's an ongoing debate. XP for gold, yay or nay. They definitely have taken away sort of this magic rich economy in 5e. Compared to other places, you can't go to Yield Magic Shop and uh, buy your plus five Holy Avenger with hundreds of thousands of gold pieces. I feel like that's what players kind of did. So there was a, I was reading some commentary trying to research your question here, and it seems like there there was this idea that you would have an end game, a domain play style end game in D and D. And you'd start cr creating fortifications and strongholds and at ninth level, etc. Um, but then I think the comment for most, I and mean, then most players just didn't want to do that. They would just accumulate their wealth to buy the cool gear and go into the next harder dungeon to kill more stuff and take their gold and accumulate more wealth and not really into the domain play, um, which I think is what was intended. And I don't, I think you have to. In my experience, what you have to do is incorporate domain play into the campaign early on. And I've done the best with that in my Broken Lands game because I, the characters sort of established a stronghold early on because I was sort of part of it. Eke out your own territory as a warlord in this Broken Lands place. Also, in my other incarnation of the Broken Lands, um, where it was more city-based, I kind of had faction play, which is similar to domain play, but the characters have you know, broken some local gangs, destroyed some rivals, made some alliances, and now they have their own, they kind of have like the hideout, they took over the hideout, which is the old abandoned keep um, that a particular gang had. So 
in the city. So, you know, you gotta, I think you gotta do it often and motivate them often so that they get in the habit of spending their money, not make it sort of an end game. Um, that's my opinion, but it works and it's worked for, and it worked for a while in the broken man's game, which went on for about two years. So I'd love to pick it back up again and just need the right players, but, uh, we'll see. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks for the call. Joe Richter. And now for a quick unpackaging. I can't find Anvil, so I guess I'm using my little pocket knife that I have. Uh, it's not a big giant one, a cool one like Jason and others might have. Just a small Columbia pocket knife. I have three packages. One is box-like, the other two are just like envelopes. And this first one is, um, it was eight and a half by six. It's from Cobalt Press, so it has like a easy open perforation so maybe i won't have to use the pocket knife did not have to use a pocket knife and it is the latest issue of warlock warlock number 29 a planar bestiary it has a cover of some sort of weird tentacle creature with lots of eyes and a jagged mouth but it doesn't have tentacles over on top of its head, like a beholder would. Um, I, I think they're the Ahu Nixta, hive mind of a concordant chronosphere. Then they have Is Ravenous Angels of Undeath and Yugaloth. Oh, I like Yugaloth. Vinters of the Suffering. So three different articles in here. I always like their black and white illustrations. They're very cool. This is like a little uh, fanzine through the Patreon that they publish uh, intermittently, maybe quarterly. It's usually about 32 pages and always has really good stuff. They also do like a series, not just of the Warlock, um, but also like uh, adventures that they put out. So it's pretty uh, interesting. Ooh, they have a, as Kiloth, it's a cool looking, it says Tiny Fiend, interesting. So it's a, a four hit dice creature um, that looks pretty small. Oh, it's like, it could be like a, the equivalent of an imp. Perched upon its master's shoulder, this creature's vaguely humanoid body is wasted and unnaturally thin, covered in glossy, translucent flesh like smoky quartz. So, pretty cool. They have new Yugoloth you can use, which is pretty nice. Um, yeah. Supported, like it says on the back, supported by Patreon. So this is their Patreon zine, which is kind of neat. The second package I have is... A little bigger it is nine and a half by seven and it is from minneapolis minnesota so i have an idea what this might be it is from r christensen so thank you uh rob i'm gonna open this it is labeled fragile but it's not a lamp and this is my midter zine that uh, I won in the drawing from Rob uh, RC in the, down in a heap on his contest midter zine more green for your game it's issue number four and I like this issue because it said it had an adventure that said a gnome a goman vampire in London so a new city location for Great London by Gary Dawkins so um that's one of the reasons I got it. It is another cool little fanzine. 
24 pages on this one. I really love the cup back and front cover art. Um, so, welcome to issue four, Meet the Midderlanders, Haven Gazette, The Vampire in London. Um, pretty cool. It's like a little adventure locale. Takes up most of it, a random table as well. New monsters, very nice. And a new class, the Serpentist, that you can do. So yeah, it's pretty cool. I guess they're affinity for serpents. And some random adventure hooks as well in here. So it uh, looks pretty cool. Amulet, Amulet of Serpent Moors, Staff of the Nether Seal. So very cool. Midderzine number four. I'll have to track down the others to, because you know I'm a collector. All right, the last thing I'm going to open is from Money Cook Games. And this is a larger box. This is actually, I would say, a box. It is, um, looks like nine and a half by 14. I try to find my little thingy. So, might have to use it. Open this with. I did have to open the fanzine with my letter opening, so here we go. So, this one, I'm cutting something down the line. Alright, and it's from their, a product from their latest, one of their latest Kickstarters. I guess they're doing a Kickstarter now that um, I don't, I'm actually passing on the Plane Breaker Kickstarter, but this one I did, this was like a, I guess it was their Claim the Sky Kickstarter, and I've been wanting to run a superhero game. So now we have like definitive superhero rules. I know they were it was in the, one of the cipher books, but claim the sky, superhero rules for um, for cipher system. So um, right, so you can create dozens of superhero rules and options, including foci, descriptors, abilities, new power shift and power stunt rules, detailed advice for creating speedsters, gadgeteers, elastic heroes, powered armor heroes. Who is to shrink and grow, master martial arts, shape changers, etc. And um, building superhero archetypes from comics and movies, and then 50 statted heroes and villains as well. And then, uh, yeah, it looks really cool. The Boundless setting, three superhero adventures for use in your Boundless campaign. So they have like a setting as well for it. And it looks really cool. Claim the Sky by Monty Cook, Sean Reynolds, Sean K. Reynolds, and Bruce R. Cordell. It looks really cool. I mean, the art is always great, and I like the cipher system art. It's very evocative. It has, oh, it has like a pull-out map of like a base, um, like the Justice League Tower, I guess. If you maybe boundless, you can just have like a JLA type of thing. I actually, I had a really fun play-by-post on Euro Central a long time ago using Champions Rules using like a GLA uh, type of format. And uh, I enjoyed it. It was, I think, the opening. The opening scene was the player characters being inducted into the JLA by the the big guys, you know. So, and then I did a few adventures, and there were some cool adventures that took place. I think they got to fight. Uh, um, did they fight Freeze? I don't know. They didn't fight. They fought Captain Cold, and. The Mirror Master, all those guys, those guys in that little villain group. And they also got to talk to um, Gorilla Grodd and 
one of my favorite villains was the star of villainies of one of the tales and that was vandal savage i actually i think the premise was that <clears throat> gorilla grod was in jail in uh, central city the players meant to go meet him he said that his, the love of his life giganta was in trouble and she had gone to gorilla city and he had not heard from her and he thinks something bad has happened and the bad guy, it turns out, was Vandal Savage, who had uh, taken over um, Gorilla City, giving them an offer they could not refuse. I don't remember what that I think it had something to do with something called the Star of Karnak. Um, yep, something like that. And uh, I think that's also what the other villains, like the Mirror Master and uh, Captain Cold, were also looking for... Um, in a separate, so I had like it was cool because I had like two different groups, and one group did the Gorilla City adventure, and the other group was doing the tracking down uh, these, you know, these guys. I'll tell you the name. Yeah, I think I had various members of the Rogues come after them. Um, I feel like I had like, um, did I have I had the? I had, um, yeah, because I, I guess I. Maybe Flash was their contact, it seems, because these are like Flash villains, right? So Captain Cold, Mirror Master, I think I had, um, who else did I have? Either Trickster or, no, not, maybe I did have Trickster, maybe Heatwave, not sure. Um, I can't remember what other villain I had with them. So... But it was fun to do, and I really enjoyed it, running it. And uh, I'd like to run another superhero game, whether it's in uh, the DC-verse or um, other champions-verse, this boundless-verse. I'll have to look through it and see if it's interesting or not. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. That would be a fun discussion to have. Would you want to run, like, a dark, you know, what do they call it, um, but people rather have like a dark champions, lower level type of game, lower superpower type of game, beating up thugs and criminal syndicates or like a full on superhero champions type game. That's always an interesting debate. But uh, yeah, well, thanks for listening. Um, I think I will let TJ Adrenin, who does the music, close this out because I have this it and this is like close to an hour, if not longer now.